This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. I'm your host, Lores, and today we have on special guest, a, a television writer who worked on four seasons of Scrubs. We have Brandy Martinez here, or uh, Brandy Martinez. What is your last name nowadays? It's Lawson. It's Lawson. Okay. Yes. And how are you doing today, Brandy? I'm glad that you did your research, first of all. I appreciate that. And it was five seasons of Scrubs. I wrote the um, the school one where they did the medical school. You know, I was having a conversation recently about how there are a lot of television shows, I think, from like the past five, ten years especially, that all have that kind of season attached to them at the end. Like The Office did that, where they lost Steve Carell. They did an extra season, ruining the whole rhythm of the show. Well, they just can't let it go. For, I don't. It's American for sure. It, they don't usually do that in British television, but it seems like when there's money coming in, they just can't seem to let it go until there's absolutely nobody watching. So I think mm -hmm. that's the purpose of those seasons. I don't know if British television would really be comparable because they do the shorter seasons and then they'll take off like four years and pick back up season two. Or, you know, so... I don't know, but this is all irrelevant because we're going to be talking about the Harmony Corinne film, The Beach Bum. Shaking, little ginger goat. I miss you. Oh, I miss you too, sweetie. Well, it's boring here without you. I know, right? I can only imagine. Well, I need you back here in Miami. I need my husband. Yeah. Civilization. Come on, and I need help with the wedding. Well, I mean, do you really? Heather and I need you to come back home. Nah, you know my home's down here in the Keys with all the burnouts, sweetie. I'm a bottom feeder. I gotta go low to get high. You know that. No, it's here, and we have so many friends and guests coming. Are your friends? No, I don't have any friends. It feels not like 2019, in my opinion. Do you know what I mean? I could see that, yeah. We'll get into this a little bit more, but... um. Just the, the film itself didn't feel like... I feel like everything post-2016 has a particular texture to it. It has a particular feel to it. And then uh, there are some things that just feel very before that time. Like, I can't sit down and watch and enjoy Ricky Gervais anything nowadays. There's plenty of television shows, movies that just feel very before that time and feel dated. Feels like what year, would you say? Anything before 2016. So if you were going to guess what year, like, the Beach Bum seems like it's from, what would you say? It feels right on the cusp. It feels like it was probably brought about in 2016. And I did look it up, and they shot in 2017. So I don't think I'm far off with that. I, I would just say, I think, I think that humor in general has changed, and the, the humor of this movie feels more of that particular time period. Uh, because, uh, obviously, 2016 changed a whole lot socially in terms of entertainment uh in both direct and indirect ways and this feels more like not really an artifact but something that was uh i guess designed for for just like a different period of time i don't know maybe maybe i'm alone in thinking that but what, what was your impression of this movie did you laugh at it uh, i didn't find it hilarious but there were moments where i thought it was humorous like i didn't feel like it was particularly cheesy um i would say that the martin lawrence bits of the movie were probably the funniest the martin lawrence bits were the funniest and not the cheesiest well they're the most yeah. over the top 
They, I'm very confused by the. I'm confused by who Harmony Corinne is because you asked me if I like him and I don't really know. So this was the first time I've ever really kind of thought about that question, and I'm I still don't know. So I'm confused by. I don't understand if he's being ironic sometimes or not with the choices that he makes. Like with that Martin Lawrence scene, I don't understand if that was ironic or not. I think that was definitely ironic. Okay. I, I, what 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 movies in his filmography have you seen? So I've seen this one, and I've seen Kids. Oh, and he didn't even really do. Well, he wrote Kids, but he didn't direct it. That was uh, the the skate park pedophile Larry Clark. Right, but so I I understand like the difference there, but I mean, still, I can. I mean, I'm usually paying more attention to the writing, anyways. So. It, I don't know. It was just really confusing to go into this. Like I had no idea. Kind of. I didn't see that other one with the girls. What was the uh, Spring Breakers? Yeah, that I. I am confused about how I feel towards these movies because another thing that I noticed that was kind of weird for a modern movie is like the music that he uses is really strange it's like romantic comedy background music that kind of like orchestra weird music that tells you how to feel in that moment and i can't tell mm. if that's ironic either do you know what i'm talking about or does that make no sense no 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 i totally get what you're saying i think if you had a better grasp on his filmography you would i think you would be able to see what the intent of this movie is or or at least what harmony Crin was maybe going for with aspects of it because tonally speaking beach bum is nothing like any of his other films if you go back to the early days like kids or gummo uh it's all very it, it, like the humor is extremely dry and uh it's difficult to it's difficult to really say what he's going for in those movies they're they're fairly dark and then as you get into like later Harmony Korine, once he went to rehab and everything, uh, where he made Trash Humpers and Spring Breakers, and it gets a little weirder. Like, if, if you put this movie side by side... I'll go ahead. Is he sober now? And he wasn't before? I believe so. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, he was on heroin for a period oh, of time. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, if you take a look at this movie compared to Spring Breakers, which it is most visually similar to, uh, it's night and day. Like Spring Breakers has kind of a, you know retarded moments to it with, that are very funny, or uh, you know it, it goes off uh, into some dark places. Unlike this movie, which feels at times like a sitcom or a cartoon. Yeah, I can, but I I did see similarities, and I didn't hate it. It was all right. I was just, I think I was just confused by the tone. I thought it was fun to watch but I don't know um why I guess I don't know why he made it if that makes sense like well, I don't the, I know mean, I, the... you could say that about any of his movies okay this 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 movie to me felt like he had gotten together with Matthew McConaughey and Snoop Dogg and they rented a mansion and then just decided to like loosely film something based off of three paragraphs or something he wrote in Microsoft Word. Like there was so much of it that didn't feel naturally planned or scripted. 
And I, I, I say that in both good ways and bad ways. Yeah, I think he maybe just wanted to make a movie, yeah, with Matthew McConaughey and Snoop Dogg, which is understandable. I feel like anybody would want to do that, but yeah, so I didn't hate it. It was fun to watch, I guess. Um, I'm not usually a fan of Matthew McConaughey, but I guess this movie kind of fits his whole personality. So I guess if I was leaning into a Matthew McConaughey thing, then... It was fine. What do you mean you're not a fan of Matthew McConaughey? I just, he's the same in everything. So. No, that's not, that's not true at all. He's not the, he is not the same character in like True Detective as he is in The Lincoln Lawyer or something like that. He was a little bit the same. I mean. No, he, he's just I, got a Southern drawl in everything because he can't change his voice. That seems like something that you should be able to do if it's your career. <laughs> I, I guess so. I feel uh, but... like you should be able to change your voice a little bit. And his tone is all, I mean, he's always stoned. And I just feel like maybe if you show up to True Detective, maybe you should just not smoke weed before that. I, I think this is a, a misguided opinion here. Uh, I think I, I look at Matthew McConaughey the same way that I look at like Jack Nicholson, right? Because Jack Nicholson is basically Jack Nicholson in it everything like he doesn't need like to be Jack and I, I, I that's unbelievable i can't accept I know. that i don't like the shining either. people are gonna turn this podcast off immediately i know that's okay no wait it's okay for me because it's not my podcast well why don't we talk about that real quick because you do have a podcast we'll just act like we weren't talking about it and you weren't bad mouthing it right before we decided right after forward. i said i don't like jack nicholson <laughs> yeah. now we're gonna promote my podcast yeah. i don't think anybody's gonna click I, I I don't know. You know, um, you're you're yeah. you're going against all the trends. So maybe maybe people want a really different opinion. So what is what is the name of this show yeah. that you're doing? If you like people who don't like good things, then um what is it called? It's called Stephen Hawking Fight Club. And you do that with the the Twitter famous uh what is what is the name he goes by publicly? Please don't say that. Tumblr famous. Jack. Does he not have his last name out there, or? I don't know, actually. I think he has a fake one. Oh. Sierra? Is that his real name? I don't know. <laughs> I should know that. I don't know. Well, he goes by a different, he goes by Jack the Jew on Twitter nowadays. So I don't know if he wants his identity protected or, or what. So um, <laughs> you guys are doing a podcast. And what is like the theme? What is the central idea of this show? Uh, well, we do podcasts with me and Jack and Jack's roommate um, and he's his roommate basically the concept is that I'm a bully usually and his roommate is very sensitive so what we're kind of hoping for is that he cries at some point and so that's basically the only plan that we have what happened to Frank I miss Frank Frank was great Frank I miss Frank too. I miss Frank every single time we record, but he actually is, uh, he joined border control. Whoa. So he's has a gun now. So that's good. That's, I mean, I think he's more fit to handle cold cuts, probably not handling a gun and shooting at, you know, Mexicans or I guess African immigrants are the big thing right now. That's uh that's very interesting. Good for Frank, I guess. I hope he's changed a lot since then. It seems like it's a joke, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. They accepted him at border control, so obviously he hasn't changed that much. 
I, I was getting back to a, a central point with the Jack Nicholson, Matthew McConaughey thing, which is that I think McConaughey's problem is kind of a similar problem to uh, DiCaprio in that they are these big over the top movie star actors. They're not the method actor that, you know, Daniel Day Lewis is, but they tried to be that for a little while, right? DiCaprio had the revenant. He's done movies like that where he tries so hard to get into a character and just kind of fails. And McConaughey went through that similar period where he was trying to embody certain roles. And I think he did so successfully. I don't think you you think that, but uh, I, actually, I do. I did like him in the AIDS one. The AIDS one. What was that one? Uh, that's uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, I did like him in that one. He was different in that one. Yeah, but he was also actively actively trying to get that Oscar in that movie, which kind of rubs me the wrong way. You like it when he doesn't care and he's just stoned and he just talks like his normal self? That's exactly what I want out of Matthew McConaughey. Because again, I, I think there's two different kinds of actors and that is his strength, is him being himself or his public image and not trying so hard to be this different character that uh, is a complete deviation from who he is. The only exception to that would probably be Russ Cole on True Detective. I really don't like True Detective. I mean, he might. You don't like you, True Detective? I mean, who knows who he is? I don't. I don't like True Detective. But that might be my fault. So I'm not even going to go into that because I don't well, know. No, 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 no. We have I to go into this. I gave it a fair chance. We, we have to get into this. What was it about True Detective? Well, it's I don't like it because of Matthew McConaughey. That's why I don't like it. So it's not really fair. <sighs> Do you enjoy entertainment? Sometimes. Um... Did you not like him in the AIDS one? I don't think that he was bad in that movie. I just didn't like that that movie was transparently Oscar bait and that his performance was more... I think he was... I, I genuinely believe he only took that movie to try to get a nomination. Maybe, but... I mean, yeah, well, it's an AIDS movie. Yeah, <laughs> That's the only purpose mm -hmm. of them. We've had so many and they're all trying to get an Oscar. But has he won, has he won an Oscar before? He is one of the few examples of somebody who won the Emmy and the Oscar in the same year. He won Best Actor that year for True Detective and Dallas Buyers Club. I don't know. It's weird because he fully committed to that role because he got... Didn't he get, like, really scary skinny for that? And then he can't commit to anything else to the point of even stopping smoking a ton of weed before. I just don't understand him. He dropped something like, uh, I want to say like 60 pounds. He got Christian Bale skinny for that movie, which, again, I think that has kind of lost its luster in terms of being impressive. That's the go-to move for so many actors now. I know Jared Leto did the opposite of that for that. Who shot John Lennon? What's the, what's the guy's name? Oh, he yeah. played him in a movie, and he put Mark on a Dave, whole Mark bunch of weight. David Chapman. Yeah. Right. And that's another reason why I don't like that Dallas Buyers Club movie is it's responsible for making Jared Leto relevant again because he was he, he was essentially relegated to doing Showtime movies, Showtime original films. And then he comes back, he wins the Oscar with that, ruins a bunch of comic book films. And now he's just kind of a weird prick, you know? I know, and it's sad, and he has everything in life that anyone could ever want. And Jack sent me a picture of him grabbing his dick and it's like crazy huge and I'm just really upset that he has everything in life that a man could ever want because I don't think he deserves it.
No, my vibe is that Jared Leto is probably a terrible human being. Well, I've seen him creep on people on live television, on women. What do you mean by creep, he, though? Well, he was just really aggressively hitting on Amelia Clark during a red carpet interview one time. And it was just, she was visibly uncomfortable and he just would not stop. But she couldn't leave because she was in the middle of her little interview thing. Which, I mean, is, and it was during Game of Thrones, which, I mean, I feel like if you have the balls to hit on, no one should have the balls to hit on Amelia Clark during Game of Thrones. But we've, we've strayed pretty far from this film, The Beach Bum, which yeah. I think we should talk about how this movie does not unfold in a traditional manner. I think it does something different. Most movies you watch have, will have a, a three-act structure to them, right? But this movie feels episodic in that you just follow the Matthew McConaughey character as he goes around uh, celebrity to celebrity, whoever they could book for a couple of days, I guess, that week. I think that you're passing over Jimmy Buffett, which is a mistake, because I'm pretty sure he was in the beginning of that movie, and that is a bona fide celebrity. You're right about that. I mean, we do start with Snoop Dogg with Jimmy Buffett and Isla Fisher is is her name, not Amy Adams. Um, and, you know, th we have kind of like a self-contained plot here where his daughter's getting married and his ex-wife or wife winds up dying in a car crash as a result of him. And then he just kind of wanders around throughout the rest of the movie. What did you think of the, the structure of that? I didn't find it that unexpected. I found it more unexpected that he got anything done during that. But I kind of expected him to be... I mean, it's a Matthew McConaughey movie called The Beach Bum. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really... I didn't find it shocking that he was, like, bumming around beaches. Which segment of this movie... And I would say there were probably about four, maybe five segments total that include the different actors... Uh, which one did you find to be the strongest and also the worst? Uh, like chemistry-wise or just scene-wise? Yeah, you, we can get into the chemistry between the actors or just the overall strength of that segment. I like Isla Fisher and I think that she was really good in this. And I think it makes sense that they casted her because she's married to Sasha Baron Cohen, isn't she? I don't know. I don't know anything about her. So it makes sense... Yeah, she. I think she's married to Sasha Baron Cohen, so it kind of makes sense to me that they would cast her to play the wife of someone that's, like, eccentric and can't really be tamed. And mm. I think that it kind of, like, their chemistry, I, I liked watching them together. She seems like someone that has been in that situation. Is, is his, does he do a lot of improvised stuff? Because their scenes together seemed, like, improvised. Uh, Harmony Corinne, I believe... Most of his movies are fairly improvised. Like it's usually, I, I, I can't say this for certain, obviously, but I would say if I had to guess, it would be probably like a good 30% of his films minimum are improvised. Yeah, it seemed like they had good chemistry, which makes sense to me. I mean, I just thought that they were cute together. So that's not something I'm normally, I don't usually think that couple scenes are cute but they they I think that they bounced off of each other well so that was the strongest bit 
I mean, I li I liked it, but there wasn't a lot of dialogue, so maybe I just don't maybe I just don't like how he writes dialogue or something. But I liked all the scenes where there wasn't any dialogue. I think that his strong suit to me is like aesthetics. Definitely, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, as far as the dialogue and whatnot, my my assumption in regards to this film and many of the films that he's done is he probably writes a script, right? And then I think when it comes time to shoot, he just goes, okay, here are the main points that we have to get through this conversation. Uh, just riff. Just do, handle this however you want. And McConaughey and whoever he's acting with probably just went about whatever. Yeah, which makes sense because the people that he casted aren't far from the characters that they played so it would make sense if he did i mean they i don't know how he would have scripted some of the stuff that they were doing during the scenes that didn't have any dialogue they were just mm -hmm. kind of wandering around so and the same with like snoop dogg his character didn't seem very far off from what he actually is so um well i, don't know. I got the impression played, i mean that he he Snoop Dogg's been in so many movies, but I mean, he's never actually played a character. He always plays Snoop Dogg. Is he a good actor or is he just himself? I think he's just himself. Yeah, he might. But I feel like I don't hate that. No, I mean, he, it would be it would, it would come across really cringe, I think, if he were to try to do like a method performance like 50 Cent did when Get Rich or Die Trying came out. That movie that, was that great. That would be atrocious. I, I like that movie, but I I can acknowledge that it's not a good movie and that he's not very good in that movie. I'm not sure he can read, so I <laughs> get, he, I'm proud of him for getting that done. It's great. Um, I, so in my opinion, I thought that the strongest bit of the movie, as I said at the top of the show, was the Martin Lawrence bits because, I don't know, Mar Martin Lawrence was really the only like comedically polished out of anyone in this movie, I guess you could make the argument, obviously, toward McConaughey, but it, it's not his natural instinct. Um, and then the weakest bit would probably be when Zac Efron comes in. Um, I don't know. I didn't hate Zac Efron, and I usually do. So I don't know. Why did you not like it? Just him? It's not even that I disliked it. I just thought he couldn't carry that part of the movie as well as he should have, especially for such a character that he was playing, which was very off type or against type for him. I don't, I can't tell if he has done drugs or not. Sometimes I think a lot. And then sometimes I'm not sure because sometimes he comes across like a Disney channel kid still a little bit in this. He did seem like that, but I don't know. Maybe he just didn't have enough Florida in him. It could be that he was actually really good in that Ted Bundy Netflix biopic. Did you see that? I saw part of it and I didn't finish it. I don't know. He's he's all right. Well, he he's somebody who is discussed as like an underrated actor, but then if you actually look at the work he's done, I don't think he is underrated. I think he's kind of a shitty actor I and don't... sometimes he gets it right. Yeah, I I am surprised to hear that anybody has ever said that. He seems exactly correctly rated yeah, to yeah. me. I did a show with three other guys on that Ted Bundy movie, and they all said, oh, you know, he's really underrated. He, he, he hasn't been given his due. And it's like, what has he done? He did three high school musical movies. He did Charlie St. Cloud. He's done nothing of note. He was good in exactly one movie. So I can't really say someone's underrated if they can't do comedy. I feel like if you can't play comedy, then you are not a good actor. 
That's tough. That's, hmm. I don't know if I agree with that. I think I might agree with that. I just made that up right now, but I feel like it's true. I know why I was thinking about Jonah Hill because he was in it too. And Jonah Hill, I don't think is like a very naturally funny person in the ways that he seems on camera, but Mm -hmm. he can play it anyways and be funny. I'll tell you what, I didn't even remember that he was in this movie until you just said that right now. He might have been my favorite person in the movie, but he's always, I'm such a Jonah Hill fanboy. That's kind of a, a weird fanboy to be, but uh, I, I, you know, I've seen nothing but the opposite reaction online where people say, oh, Jonah Hill was terrible. Jonah Hill ruined the movie for me. I had, I had to turn it off. <laughs> Why? And and this is also how you can tell this movie's older is that he's not like fully fat in this, right? He's still got his like kind of skinny but also out of shape body. <laughs> I feel so bad for him because he'll never escape conversations about what level of fat he's at. No matter how skinny he gets, it's always the topic of conversation for him. But it's the most interesting thing about him. Have you seen him in interviews? I seen him in one interview recently for mid nineties and he seemed like he was on quaaludes or something. And he was handling that kid weird. He's very serious. It's weird. He lost weight the wrong way. The first time when he did 21 jump street. And that's why he looked so bizarre in that movie where he had like a fat round head and his body was like so trim. And then he got fat again. He got too skinny. Yes. Yeah. He didn't, he, he, he rushed to get skinny and didn't like, slowly gradually lose the weight and then he did it the right way and that was like maniac that netflix show he looks normal in that yeah. he, as a skinny person and now he's kind of beefing up again and this movie i think well maybe he was on coke the first time yeah maybe he looked a little cokey yeah i could see that and uh right now i think he's like fat but he's not ob- obese obese you know he should just stop trying because no one cares. It, it's always going to be, he's always going to be the fat kid from Superbad. There's nothing he can do to escape it. No, he's a cool skater guy now. I think so, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever. Uh, I, I, I was watching, uh, you know, you know, the magazine Big Brother uh, that launched like Jackass and CKY and Tony Hawk's yeah. Pro Skater. Okay, so they did an interview with him for that. And he was like, oh, yeah, me and my friends grew up reading Big Brother magazine. We were at the skate park. It was like, no, you were a 300-pound fatso. You weren't there. But he was there. He was there. He wasn't skating, but he was reading magazines. I believe that. I think that Jonah Hill has the complex of somebody that hung out around cool people but wasn't cool. Maybe. I mean, that can make sense. well, he seems like the person that like filmed all the skate videos, but like didn't really skate. I don't even think he did that. I think he hung out like nearby the skate park. He probably had like his mom drop him off and then he would just walk around hoping someone would notice him and say hi and no one did. Well, how was he supposed to get there? He doesn't... <laughs> don't bully Jonah Hill. I don't know. His whole family situation is kind of weird, too. Is it? Do you know anything about, yeah, his parents. So apparently, and you can do the math on this, his mom is like fairly young, as in like 10, 15 years older than him. Someone found her on Tinder and he was like in the, 10. Yeah, 
I don't know. <laughs> Look, I don't know. Uh, I, I could be misinformed here, but she's pretty young. She's like only in her early 40s and he's like 30, I believe. And um, they found her on Tinder and he was just like hanging out in the background in like a kitchen shot of her. <laughs> Someone identified her. And then if you look up his dad, it's like some 55 year old banker. And uh, it's a, you know, if you do the math, it's very sketchy, very uh, unnerving. I like his mom. His mom sounds like my kind of friend. She really hit the jackpot, Jesus Christ. Two, she has two celebrity kids, and she started having kids when she was 10, which is not usually <laughs> how that turns out. Who's the other one? That's so lucky. Beanie, Beanie Feldstein or whatever her name is. Man, I don't know who that is. That new girl that's like in, uh, that, what is that teenager movie that I just saw? Booksmart. That's his little sister. So what is the deal with Booksmart? Because I've seen people going, oh, this movie didn't make nearly as much money as it should have. Oh, it's like super bad, but it's woke. No. You saw it. So what, what is the what yeah, is the Yeah, it's like super Booksmart. bad, but it's woke. That's exactly right. Sounds terrible. It's super bad, but woke, which to me is bad. Wow. I think I'd rather die. Well, but teenagers like it because they didn't, I mean, they weren't, they were children when Superbad came out. So they need their own thing. Every 10 years, they have to do this movie where somebody goes underwater and has an epiphany and then they come up and it's symbolic. They have to do this movie all the time. I don't think that they do. I think they keep trying to recreate the whole Judd Apatow comedy thing in today's day and age. And this comes back to the original talking point that I got into, which is that parts of the beach bum feel dated like pre-2016. Pre-2016, you have prime examples of what was funny back then. And I think the leading, the leading example of that in entertainment, in popular media, would be that Judd Apatow-style improvisational comedy, right? And I don't think something like that works anymore. Uh -huh. When they come out with it, it's either book smart or it's that movie with all the little kids who are swearing that Seth Rogen produced and that looks terrible. Uh, there's not really like a defined popular sense of comedy at the moment. That's true. I hope it swings back the other way and not to the woke way, because actually I think that the generation after us is more edgy than we it were. It definitely is. It's 100% edgier uh, than anything that millennials have come up with, because I think what's happening now is people are getting their comedy from different resources. They're going to terrible places on the internet to find uh, really funny stuff. And that is probably not socially acceptable to say. And that you can just say Reddit. No, no, no. It's not Reddit. I don't. I don't think Reddit's very funny at all. It is if you sort by controversial. I don't know. I'm. I have a little brother, and I'm basing all my opinions of the new generation on him and his friends. And he told me that the conversations that they have, like they can't. They're not. They don't seem very woke. I can't even like repeat the stuff that he's told me that they talk about. So um, I'm hoping that the new, they, once they start getting a little bit older, cause I think that they're all like 16, 17 right now, but maybe in a few years they'll start making stuff. Well, it's, it's difficult to say if that kind of comedy is going to wind up being marketable in the current social climate, right? Where I think Netflix has an idea of what they want their comedy section to be like. 
And I think Comedy Central has a similar idea of that and probably, you know, probably similar networks. And I don't think that there's going to be room. I, I don't think that they have the balls to actually put people on that would be funny and edgy in today's day and age. So I, I, I don't either, but I do think that they there's other platforms. There's not restrictions like there used to be. People can just put stuff out and it can end up getting picked up just by popularity. So I guess that's true, but I, I don't know. But then, hmm. I mean, that, that leads into a conversation that is fairly vast in terms of uh, how much coverage could be done with that. The, the one example I can think of where somebody was actually funny. You know what? Let, let's steer away from edgy. Because edgy is its own thing. And I don't think that you need to necessarily exclusively be edgy in order to be funny, right? There's a decent sketch comedy show that's on Netflix right now called... Oh, geez, I'm actually blanking on the title. I think it's like... Is it the Tim Robbins one? Yeah. The Tim Robinson one? Yeah, I like that show. What is it called? I I think it's it's called... It's not voting well for him that we don't know what it's called. (laughs) <laughs> no, probably not. I think it's called I Think You Should Leave or or something like that. Something like that, yeah. That show was actually pretty funny and it's it's fluff, you know? That's not really uh, dicey material there. Maybe aggressive is a better word for it. Sure. The one example of somebody who was edgy, I hate using that term over and over again, but actually... Uh, had comedy that was that was funny that was dark was probably uh, world peace on adult swim did you ever see that show no it was very, very adult swim well adult swim has always been different than anything else pretty much they put on weird shit but even adult swim is struggling nowadays like world peace got canceled because there were all kinds of hit pieces about the creators and uh, it had decent ratings. It had good ratings for a show that premiered and they wound up pulling the plug on it to play it safe. Turner did, I believe. And the result of that has been as an unintended consequence. I think that Adult Swim is struggling to define itself currently. They have a lot of programs that seem weird for the sake of being weird and aren't actually funny. So I don't know. I, th- I I just think anywhere where money is the is as big of a motivator as the artistic integrity of what's being put out there, I think you're just not going to see very interesting or funny things come from that kind of venue. And you're definitely right in that I think obviously we're in a new era now where it's so easy to just put content out, but getting backing for that and ensuring that you don't get deplatformed is going to become increasingly difficult over the next couple of years. Well, yeah, because it's like, it's almost flipped where it used to be you would just pitch and then if they liked it, they would put it on and they would back it and they would support it and do what they could to make it popular. Mm -hmm. But now it's like you kind of have to prove your popularity before, like with Broad City where they had their their, um, web show before. And then they got picked up from that. So I think it's going to start turning into that, which is probably better. Uh, maybe. But at the same time, I also think... Hmm. I mean, do you find Broad City funny? Yes. 
Oh, God. I know. I'm so sorry. I have to because I'm a woman. So. Right. Of course. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't even think. I think girls would be too too dicey for them to even put on nowadays. And that leaned in the right direction politically, but it was still not, not PC whatsoever. Right. Uh, there were, there were aspects of that show that were definitely rougher around the edges than HBO probably would have preferred, but it wasn't even a thing back then. They weren't even thinking about those, those kinds of things. Well, but then Netflix puts on like Bojack Horseman. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's so not, mainstream. It's not, it, there's jokes in there that are pretty, dicey maybe but i i don't see that in the same terms like even south park i don't think is funny anymore south park is done that's rude <laughs> I, what it, have you watched south park and laughed anytime? i love every episode and i laugh the whole time i'm watching it i will never say a bad word about south park i don't believe that for a second i have a feeling you probably haven't watched south park in like four years I look, I watch, I'm watching it right now. Yeah. It's great. Anyway. So, so what, what do you think then? What do you think is to come? Do you think it just all goes online or do you think that the market is going to smarten up and go, okay, we're in a dire situation long-term. We have to bet the house on these certain properties, even if it might get us some uh, critical feedback that we're not hoping for. Everyone is smarter than they used to be about content. So I'm hoping that it turns more towards people making their own content and then Netflix and all the networks just picking it up. But I think the net, I think that the networks will mostly die out soon. So I guess I'm really only thinking about Netflix and their movies are really truly horrible. So I think that they will have to at some point pivot because I don't know anybody who watches Netflix movies and really enjoys them. No, Netflix movies, generally speaking, are terrible as a rule. I completely agree with you there. I will say that they've been decent this year just because of that Ted Bundy biopic and also The Dirt, uh, which Jeff Tremaine directed. That was based on Motley Crue. That one was decent, even though I can't stomach the sight of Pete Davidson. I'm not. I've I've already I've said I don't like Jack Nicholson, so I guess I'm not gonna go into I do like Pete Davidson because that would just make it worse. You're just a complete contrarian on this episode. I just like Broad City and and Pete Davidson. I'm a teenager, and that's what we like. So <laughs> right, Gen Z, yeah. Um, but I, I, I also agree with you that I think the networks are going to die out soon. Have you seen like the advertisements that are like, you have to call AT&T right now because they're going to drop Comedy Central. Is that like a commercial that happens on TV? I've seen this on social media. I've seen it on TV where it's like, okay, so Comcast is going to drop Comedy Central, TBS, etc. Because nobody's watching Trevor Noah. Nobody's watching these shows that they're putting out there. And it's hurting their the back end. So... Uh, what happens well, is... Well, Comedy Central should go out. I agree. If any network should be loyal to comedians and let them write and say what they want to say, it's Comedy Central, and they don't. So I hope they do die out. I think Netflix is much better with comedians. You think so? Uh... Yeah, I think they pay them more than they deserve, and then they let them say what they want to say. Netflix is also in extreme debt, though, which is why... I don't know if you've noticed this, but 
there are more international recommendations. They're really banking on China and I, probably Asia in general in getting a lot of their money back where uh, they're now recommending like Bollywood films or Korean dramas and they yeah. previously weren't. I wonder, I mean, I'm trying to think at what level would I cancel Netflix based on price? Because they've already upped it like twice in the past couple of years. But if they improved their content, if they improved their movies, I wouldn't mind paying a little more for it. What 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 price would you cancel at? I don't even like the price that it's at right now. I and I hardly use Netflix. I really only watch YouTube nowadays. Well, YouTube is not great either. YouTube is currently not amazing. Um, but I I don't know. I actually you know what? I I don't watch a whole lot in general. I'll watch movies. I will tune into a series if it has my interest. Like Chernobyl has been good. And I, I am watching the new Nicholas Winding reference series on Amazon, Too, Too Old to Die Young. But as a rule, if I'm watching something that day, I'm probably watching something on YouTube. Um, I have a quick question about Chernobyl. Sure. I was going to watch it because I really like HBO, but I'm confused by... It's a show about Russia, and they have British accents. You just got to ignore that. Just, just, so, just, it's like, oh, okay. have you seen... Does it say that in the beginning? Yeah, they, they actually do a disclaimer right at the front of the show. It's like, uh, it's like Barry Lyndon, where it's like, oh, this is taking place in, <laughs> uh, in Ireland, but Ryan O'Neill sounds like he's from the Midwest. So <laughs> it's, it's just one of those, it, it, that's not really done anymore. You know, if nowadays, if they're doing a show in Russia or wherever, they're going to get actors from that region or at worst, they will just, you know, have whatever lead actor learn the language. Um, so, no, I mean, this is just a very old school kind of thing. They're bringing it back. I just find that so weird. I maybe I, I'm like focusing too much on dialects because that also is what I said bothers me about Matthew McConaughey. But I just feel like those details really matter to me, and it irritates me when they don't cover that. But it would be insufferable if everybody was doing, like, a Boris and Natasha voice throughout the I mean, show. people have those accents, though. Yeah, but if you're going to talk in English anyway... that's I feel like that was racist, I just want to say. My point still stands. If you're going to do any kind <laughs> of... If you're going to speak in English throughout the duration of the series, you might as well sound... English, if not American. Oh, I wish they would have done it American. I would then I would have been in. But the beach bum, we've strayed so far from the point. Do you have any closing thoughts on the beach bum? Um, I don't know. I found it confusing. It was fun to watch, but it was confu I was confused by the purpose of it. I think was my general. So what what, what did you not get in terms of that regard? Because I think it has a very clear message that the viewer should just take it easy. Is that the message of all of his movies no, now? No, definitely not. Okay, so what was the message behind the one with the women in the bikinis? Spring Breakers? Because that seemed like it didn't... I mean, to me, I didn't see it, so it's not fair to say, but I didn't see it because it didn't seem like it would have any sort of purpose. So it's tough to say when it comes to Harmony Corinne if there is one underlying idea I think, again, he writes a script, and then when he goes out and shoots, it turns out to be probably something completely different. And then he cobbles together 
what the narrative is that has been built uh, through the improvisation and creates a story that way. Like the ending of Spring Breakers, I remember, was very different than what they had planned and just the general track record uh, based off of talking with James Franco and some of the actors, they decided to go a different route with that. So with Spring Breakers, I would say that the message of that is probably something something similar to um, Florida is not for everybody. <laughs> that's a great message. And, you know, I feel like we all already knew that. And that's why we don't live there. I would love to you live just, in Florida, especially after this movie, The Beach Bum. That's strange. What's strange about it? Sunshine. There's a bunch of great Mexican food. It's wonderful. Uh, I don't think that I would do well in Florida. It seems very laid back to the point of like falling asleep on a jet ski and drowning. Well, I mean, you live in New York City, which is the antithesis of that. Right. I, I intentionally lived here because people don't fall asleep drunk on jet skis and drown. That's not the kind of people that live here. No, you have homeless people that dress up as superheroes on the train and uh, scream into cell phones and beat up mannequins and are just un full of undiagnosed mental illnesses. Right, but they, ha they have something to say <laughs> and they have a purpose <laughs> behind what they're saying. Silly me. Well, uh, The Beach Bum, it is quite the, quite the flick. Uh, I think it's probably on video on demand at this point. I, you went to a bar it in Brooklyn. It will be on Wednesday, On actually. Wednesday. Great. So tomorrow, when this podcast goes up. Yes. Were you asking me about Brooklyn? You, had, you said you saw this at a bar in Brooklyn. How does that work? Um, Brooklyn likes to do things that don't make any sense. So that is basically what that was. They have a bar that has a theater in the back. And that was the only place that it was showing because I would never go to Brooklyn if I didn't have to. And was it worth the the travel and the expenses? I enjoyed it. I just, he, he, I think it's just, he seems like he has fun making movies and like he wants to make movies for the purpose of having fun, which makes sense. He just casts a whole bunch of fun people that seem like they do a lot of drugs, which I can understand wanting to make a living off of that. Would you have preferred to see what this movie was supposed to be, which was Idris Elba as a rapper in Miami? Is that real? Yeah. That, I, so uh, when Spring Breakers came out, it was a pretty notable hit. Like, I think that was A24's first real release. So it put them on the map. And they tried to get Harmony Corinne in for a sequel because they were going to give the sequel to... Irvine Welsh, who did, who wrote the book Train Spotting, and it was going to be directed by... Jonas Ackerland, who did Lords of Chaos this year and Polar. And Polar's a terrible, terrible, terrible movie. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's from Netflix. And uh, he said, okay, no, don't do that. I'll do a follow-up to Spring Breakers. It won't be a sequel, but it'll be a spiritual sequel, right? And it was supposed to be Idris Elba as a rapper in Florida. And I think... James Franco is going to be in that one as well. And then for whatever reason, that movie didn't happen and evolved into this. Uh, that's very, uh, that's a weird evolution. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but that first original movie sounds better. Brandy, thank you so much for, for making an appearance on today's episode, for coming back after three, four, five year hiatus from podcasting. 
Mm-hmm. I was in a coma, so thank you for having me. Yeah. Next week is going to be Mike Malkiewicz. How about that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, boy. Did you ever see what, what became of Practice Makes Perfect? What became of it? What became of it? Um, I don't know how to answer that question, so I guess no. No, what became I, of I it? put it out online a year ago. It was. It turned out to be a heaping pile of shit. That's what became of it. That sounds like something I want to watch now. I'll I'll send you a link before I log off. All right, that has been movies. Thanks again for popping on. 